Welcome, this is Too Many Captains, a movie podcast, and you are listening to episode 80. My name is Money Chris, and it's my turn to pick the movie. I chose Creed from 2015 for our deep dive today because Creed 3, the American sports drama directed by and starring Michael B. Jordan, came out in theaters last weekend. I decided to revisit the original from this spin-off trilogy, which some would say is actually Rocky 7. I am joined in the ring today by some real podcasting heavyweights. Maddie G. I feel good. Dangerous. Yo, Adrian. And of course, Movie Matt. Hey, hey. All right, let's get ready to not get sued by Michael Buffer. Hey, that's me. Oh, we're going back to November 25th of 2015. What was going on in the world? All kinds of weird and crazy stuff. Xi Jinping was just a general secretary meeting with the current president of the time of China for the first time. An ascending career right there. Two suicide bombers blew up a place in Beirut, killing 43 people. Pretty sad. There are a lot of Islamic State terrorist attacks, most notably the multiple terrorist attacks claimed by the Islamic State in Paris, which is probably the biggest news story of the time, taking the life of 130 people just a week before the film debuted. Also, in a happy note at the time, we agreed to the Paris Climate Accords just a few days after this film. That can't be undone. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was set in stone, right? Who knows what happens with that? Climate hey. crisis averted. <laughs> I know, right? Everything's good. Man, it's going to be warm next week. <laughs> anyway, interesting times in the world. But what really matters, as always, is the money. You know what his budget was? Money, Chris. Creed has a 95% tomato meter score and an 89% audience score. That's high praise. So Stallone was nominated for Best Supporting Actor f- for his return as Rocky Balboa. The movie, I do not believe, garnered any other Oscar nominations, but, it, you know, all these movies that end up being blockbusters ends up winning something, so it, you know, it won awards here and there. The budget was $40 million and it made $174 million, so a $134 million profit, which is not bad. Yeah. So the Creed outfit from the end of the movie, with the jacket and the shorts and whatnot, sold at auction for $9,000 in 2020. So you can buy about 14,800 or so of those, except there's probably only <laughs> Not that two or three yeah. of them <laughs> in existence. All right, Johnny Dangerous, take us to the casting couch. This is crazy. We have been having such a great season four when it comes to Team Turkey, but for the second deep dive in a row, no new inductees. I did, however, want to discuss the meteoric rise of Tessa Thompson. She had been acting in film since 2006, but this marked a big step forward as in the few years after she shows up in the MCU as Valkyrie and has big parts in Sorry to Bother You, Annihilation, and the HBO series Westworld. And it seems to me she has become a highly sought-after talent. What did you guys think of the cast of Creed? I think everybody up and down did a pretty good job. I kind of enjoyed you know, the, the boxers, all the boxers coming in and I don't know if they were, I didn't, I didn't check, but if they were real boxers for the most part, yes. Who's the, who's the main heavyweight guy that he's fighting. I don't know who played him. 
Billy Conlon. Yeah. That character. Ricky Conlon. Sorry. Ricky Conlon. Pretty Ricky. He was kind of an asshole, but he was confident, but he was, he, you know, he kind of gave the air of being the champ. You know, part of that's the writing too. But I think he did a great job. Tony Bellow. And, you know, these, the villains are a really big part of these movies to a certain extent. It's kind of the same as kind of a Marvel movie to a certain extent where, you, you know, if you don't have a good bad guy, then, you know, it's not as sweet to root for the hero, so to speak. Yeah. And I think Michael B. Jordan was also a great pick. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that, and we'll get into this later, that this is probably written specifically for him. You get that vibe, definitely. He falls into it. And, I, yeah, I think everybody up and down this from the casting standpoint, you know, obviously bringing in Sylvester Stallone. And, you know, this is definitely the best of, I mean, we'll just we'll just not include Rocky 1 through 3, but past Rocky 3, this is definitely the best Sylvester Stallone role. And he was able to bring a whole lot to the table. He really ushers in the connection between the Rocky movies and the Creed movies. And I think set it off to where Creed can stand on its own now, even though he might not like that. Do you feel it's a better performance than uh, Tulsa King? <laughs> I think, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I will uh, also second your motion on Tessa Thompson dangerous i guess this is also part of the writing too but i like how they made her not just a one-dimensional boxer girlfriend which is now a pretty funny character on weekend update on snl yes the only other person who i wanted to uh throw out a little praise to was wood harris who plays the trainer at apollo's old gym the son of apollo's old trainer He's one of those guys that he's he's worked really steadily over the past 25 years, but I always think of him from his role as Julius from Remember the Titans before anything yeah. else. Oh, wow. Yep. I think he also played... Left side, strong side. <laughs> I think he also played Jimi Hendrix in a really terrible Hendrix movie that I think went like direct to video. <laughs> but I do have one question. All right. This is going to be a bad one. I'm sorry, guys. Bad as in hard? or <laughs> Well, it shouldn't be hard, but it's going to be hard. Okay. That's what she said. Name one non-heavyweight champion boxer currently from any, like, WBO, IBF, WBA, WBC. Name any weight class other than heavyweight. Name one boxer and don't Google it. I see Wait you Googling. Second. I'm not Googling. I see you Googling. So Floyd Mayweather is retired then, you're saying? Yes. Okay. And I actually know this. Is it Pacquiao? Is he not heavyweight? Pacquiao's not fighting anymore either. He's retired Current? too. Oh, he'd be retired. But he was not a heavyweight fighter, right? Uh-uh. No. If you guys Logan don't... Paul. <laughs> nope, he did not. <laughs> All right. I'll open it up. Does anybody know a heavyweight champion? Past? Current. Oh. Klitschko? Or isn't there a brother? Actually, I have to look up to see if that's one. If maybe you might have stumbled upon one of the other ones, because I don't know all of them. I'm I'm looking it up here. Because there's a a good 20 or 30 different, because there's... Really? 
20 or 30 different active heavyweight titles. Well, not heavyweight, but oh. just the, all the the WBO, IBF, WBA, WBC. So there's okay. four, and then there's 10, there's 10 rankings of <laughs> strawweight, flyweight, junior flyweight, flyweight, junior bantamweight, bantamweight, junior featherweight, featherweight, junior lightweight, lightweight, junior welterweight. Well, anyway, yeah, there's a shit ton. All right, heavyweight, anybody? No, man, you guys. Current? Yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, there's two different. Is this still as popular as it was a few years ago? Because, like, I I can't even. It's more than a few years. It's when when, uh, Ultimate Fighting, UFC, like, kind of took over. What it really is is that it's very American-centric. Yeah. So everybody would know who the heavyweight champion was if it was an American. Mm. And so. So Alexander Usyk and Tyson Fury are the two. I've heard the second yeah. one's name. So I figured that maybe if that's why I didn't do heavyweight. Cause like maybe you guys have heard Tyson Fury and that would be the name that you would throw out because no. there's a difference between being familiar with the name and being able to pull it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, here's a, here's a fun one to screw with everybody. Just ask any of them. Cause yeah, we did horrible there. Yeah. Like there's like probably 35 different names you could have popped up. Um, yeah. I could have phoned a friend, uh, my brother, and he would have. Boxing or a UFC? He would have. He would know both. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, totally. If there's another American Mike Tyson person that comes along, then people start caring a little bit more in the United States. And I don't know what the popularity is in other other countries, but. But it'll never be like what it was in like the 60s and 70s when that was like the most famous athlete in the world were boxers. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's you're right. Not gonna happen again. What's the dealio, yo? Maddie. Gee. Because you're not telling us the <clears throat> whole story. There's something else, isn't there? All right. Our movie opens up at a youth correctional facility in 1998. Adonis Donnie Johnson, son of former heavyweight champ Apollo Creed, by way of extramarital affair, is serving time. Marianne, Apollo's widow visits Adonis and offers him a home with her. So this part is kind of, it's kind of feels like a throwaway almost. It's a very small part of the movie, but it gives you all the context that he didn't always have it great. Mm -hmm. This is also building directly into this just vaporous part that they threw into this movie directly plays into Creed three, where Jonathan Majors plays somebody that he ran around with that got in trouble with and stuff like that. And, you know, they used to be friends and, you know, one of them got in trouble and the other one took the fall and so on and so forth. And now he's pissed off at him. Well, and it's, and if you think about even Rocky four, when that all happens, Creed dies, I want to say in the first 20 minutes or so of that movie. And now we kind of jump over to this alternate timeline of what was going on and i don't believe there's any reference to his affair (laughs) during that but just the fact that there's this other child and there's a prequel to this film well prequel is a strong word but (laughs) there are other this comes from other stories yes i did pick up that it's part of the rocky (laughs) films you're like wasn't there another guy named rocky balboa (laughs) i'm just glad he didn't watch assassin's creed Uh, guys, one time I watched the wrong movie, and uh, it, Never live it, it makes down. its way uh, into a joke in every one of these That's podcasts. Right. One out of 81. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't blame y'all. 
Fast forward to 2015. Donnie is fighting amateur boxing matches in Tijuana on the weekends while working a finance job during the week. He decides to try and make it as a professional boxer and quits his finance job. After being turned down to be trained at Delphi Boxing Academy, run by the son of his father's former trainer, Duke, he decides to go to Philly. His mom isn't happy about it, but Donnie leaves L.A. for Philly to try to get in touch with his dad's rival and friend, Rocky Balboa. So I thought it was interesting that they show us how like cocky he is by him just walking into the gym and putting up his 67 Ford Mustang. Yeah. And it's not even like to beat me. It's like, just, just land a punch, knock me down, whatever it is. And headshot. Yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. if you guys have gone ahead and watched the second creed, that all comes back around because he ends up fighting that same guy winning back his Mustang. And that's what he drives in the second movie. But, Oh, that's not too good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I haven't watched the second one. Yeah. I was, I was really sad when the, when the Mustang got taken away, but I was like, Oh, they brought it back. Yeah. Riders can't <laughs> yeah. dream. I mean, you know, you can dream that Rider, shit up. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it uh, kind of reminds me of some, uh, gone in 60 seconds stuff. <laughs> Donnie tracks down Rocky at Adrian's the Italian restaurant Rocky owns that he named after his late wife. He asks Rocky to train him, but Rocky is reluctant to return to boxing in any fashion. Donnie starts to train on his own at Rocky's old gym, Mighty Mix, while continuing to work on getting Rocky in his corner. Rocky eventually agrees to train Donnie, and they change training facilities to Front Street Gym, where several of Rocky's longtime friends join as cornermen as he trains to fight Leo the Lion Sparino from Mighty Mix. During this time, Donnie also meets his downstairs neighbor, Bianca, after she keeps him from falling asleep by working on her music. During a non-date date, it is revealed that Bianca has progressive hearing loss. Donnie chooses to fight under his biological mother's name of Johnson, with the fight name of Hollywood. He defeats Leo Sperino, which angers the opposing corner who let it leak to the press that Donnie is Apollo Creed's illegitimate son. One thing that I loved about this movie, and it kind of that kind of jumps in and out throughout the movie is like the fake episodes of HBO's 24 seven and ESPN yeah. PTI. And beyond that, just even the graphic that pops up next to each character who's a fighter, you know, like yeah. their record and background and stuff like that. I just thought that was so well done. Like, I think a lot of movies miss that or they don't, I don't know, maybe pay the extra money or the attention to do the production value of those like, blurbs yeah. that really draw the if, story in if you're a sports person you know what these things are and, exactly and what they're doing and yeah and then you know with the mustang thing just the when you start it the first time you kind of have to say oh this guy is a badass he's gonna take your car mm -hmm. <laughs> basically but it tells you so much like okay this is this fighter he has this many and, and they don't have to go through i mean i know they do mention like oh he's 17 and 0 undefeated you know for a son right. and stuff like that but they don't have to get into a lot of that it's just a, and it and it kind of second it like escalates. You're like, oh, oh, this is a better person. Yeah. Oh, this is a better person. And that card right there just tells you all that information. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's very place setting. It's interesting because you know you see a lot in films today, like they've had to work in text messaging and how you handle that because it is such a huge part of how we all communicate today. Right. Um, you know, and I think for a while there's probably a reluctance to use like 
not obnoxious, but that like in your face level of a graphic in the middle of a film. And uh, I think they did it well here. Yeah. Well, I think somebody like Edgar Wright has been somebody who's been able to do that for a long time to use like cut scenes or, or things that characters can't see, but portray a lot of information, but to do it well, right. because you don't want it to feel like the, what do you call them? Those, the, like the, the video interludes in like a video game, yeah. <laughs> like where they're playing yeah. something separate. It, was, it, it feels natural. It's quick. It's snappy and it looks good and it looks sharp. Just like you would see a graphic on a popular sports or a high production value sports yeah. program. And, and just, you know, they use different colors and it just, yeah, they use the same graphic with different colors and just stuff like that. It was, I did enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. The reveal of Apollo's true heritage prompts a call to Rocky from the handlers of current world light heavyweight champion, pretty Ricky Conlon, who lives in Liverpool, England. Ricky Conlon is being forced into retirement due to impending prison term, and his team want to make Donnie an offer to be Conlon's final challenger. A delegate from Conley's team is going to fly over to make a deal. The main stipulation for the match, however, is that Donnie must change his last name to Creed. Donnie balks at the idea as he wants to make his own legacy. I just wanted to point out Graham McTavish, who, you know, plays his handler. And so I don't know if you know this, but he was actually in town. He went for the Scottish games for Scott fest here and was there like, you know, taking pictures and whatnot, but he's been in the Hobbit and Rambo. He's been, <sighs> well, all the Hobbit movies, Outlander TV show. And then recently house of dragon. He just, has a really big screen presence. I don't know how tall he is. Let me go check. I think he just, I think he is tall. He He's one of those guys who really easily plays kind of a, a natural enemy. He's six two, but anyway, he, he just, he's a great actor that really brings a lot to whatever, like he, he brings a level of respect to anything he's in. Donnie eventually agrees to change his name to Creed and Donnie moves in with Rocky to begin training for the fight. During a training session, Rocky gets sick and collapses. Donnie takes him to the hospital where he recovers and leaves after doctors run some tests. However, the tests reveal that Rocky has a form of cancer, but that it is very treatable as it was caught early. Rocky declines treatment as he saw his wife lose her battle with cancer. Rocky tries to keep it a secret, but Donnie finds pamphlets in Rocky's jacket in the locker room at the gym. He confronts Rocky and tells him to get treatment. Rocky tells him he's not going to, and they get in an argument where they each say hurtful things to each other, and Donnie leaves upset. I appreciate the fact that Donnie pushes the point of taking care of himself. You see a lot of times where old people are stubborn shits. <laughs> and, and um, No, but for real. And there's a lot to probably read in on that topic here. Um, you know, the future of humanity, things like that. I appreciate that Donnie presses the point. Like, you can tackle this. You can fight. You know, you don't have to focus on something unfortunate that happened. I mean, that's where it ended up. But I think that what they did a good job from the writing standpoint is his immediate reaction is about himself, really. Mm -hmm. And about how, you know, it's like, here's another father figure leaving me. Mm -hmm. Although my father figure before was already gone and... You know, so this is kind of like his first father True. figure, at least right. as far as we know from this. And, and you know, you're going to basically die like my dad did. I thought they did a great job with that. And then after he gets that 
you know, relapse, so to speak, of his childhood out of his system with fighting, you know, they said he was fighting the people in the jail and fighting, you know, he's fighting that guy. Right. Then he kind of turns it outward where, you know, well, if I'm going to fight, you're going to fight and kind of giving him hope, so to speak. A bunch of dudes handling a lot of emotion they pass through, you know, and, and, and that this part of a lot of this movie, but in this part of the movie in particular, yeah, and you can see Rocky's concept of like I already seen all this happen. Yeah, like I yeah. Already, I already know this story. I don't want to do that. I don't want to repeat it. And because he, you know, all he can think about is is what he knows. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of dumbed down Rocky quite a bit, though, to a certain extent, where he's just like, "Oh, this is the only thing that could ever happen." This is what I've already seen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm I, I'm going to bring up that classic story point in some ways the pamphlets are kind of Chekhov's gun. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they hand him the pamphlets and he sticks them in his pocket, it's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he's going to get found out. I didn't really think about it. Honestly, <laughs> even watching it again, I didn't really think like, cause that was a normal thing, right? Like, Oh, here you go. Pamphlets, man. Boomers and their pamphlets. And everyone before. They know they can't you know? just like, yeah, it could have just been like, oh, no, I'll just look it up online. Don't yeah. worry. WebMD. I already, already now diagnosed. they would have myself. you scan a QR code for cancer. and yeah. I've already and diagnosed myself with cancer 20 times already with WebMD, so I don't really need <laughs> any of these pamphlets. Uh, yeah. That evening, Donnie goes to one of Bianca's concerts to support her. He ends up getting in a fight backstage and thrown in jail. Rocky comes to bail him out, but Donnie, still upset, tells him to go home. Donnie is finally released from jail, and he goes by Bianca's to apologize, but she's upset and through the door tells him they need to focus on their respective careers for the time being. Donnie goes back home to Rocky's. He tells Rocky he'll do the fight, but only if Rocky fights for his life, to which Rocky agrees. Donnie and Rocky continue training, and Rocky starts chemo treatment. The fight will be held in Goodison Park, which is the home of the city of Liverpool's inferior football club, Everton FC. Stallone's an Everton fan, so that's where he got. That's where he, that came from. I have to mention that getting a double training treatment montage is a great way to cover <laughs> all the hard work required to beat Pretty Ricky or leukemia, <laughs> and finishing out with running with the ATVs and dirt bikes, building music drops out as we go slow-mo tracking shot. Retro theme is everything you want from a Rocky film. It, it really does bring it back to the getting, you know, getting strong. Yeah. And, and they yeah. actually like throw that yeah. theme in yeah. there and in the new song. I also want, I also wonder, did they purposely make him look bad or did they just not put makeup on him? <laughs> Because he looked rough, but I'm also like, maybe this is just what he looks like now. Because <laughs> he's in a, I mean, he's probably not. I mean, that's probably bad. But I thought they did a good job on the makeup, making him, yeah, look like he was sick. He was sick. Yeah. How old was he in this film? Oh, what is this? 2015. Yeah. I mean, he's 68. I don't know. He's old. Like he's old he's enough old to be man. president. <laughs> Almost. Like for in Tulsa King, you know, I mean, I think I read that Stallone in this film was the same age Mickey was in the original Rocky, which was 69 years old. Okay. That sounds about right. 76 now. Yeah, that's about right. It's close. 
I might still take Stallone in a fight, but I think I'd take uh, Biden in a bike race. (laughs) I don't know. They both need to pass uh, Nikki Haley's uh, competence (laughs) test for people over 75 who want to be elected. I saw a clip from Rocky Balboa. The lat, like the one before, and like he is way, way younger. He fights in Rocky Balboa. That's the thing, though. Yeah. Let's see here. What year was Rocky? And uh, the and that was like eleven years previous or something. Like yeah, that. but I'm saying like him fighting in that one was or nine years stretching. In. He must have hit the gym to get back here to you know film Tulsa King. Dude, it just takes well, the, the gym just, and the. You just need a montage. There you, you just go. got a montage. For the bout, there's a present in Donnie's locker room. His mom has sent American flag trunks similar to the one Apollo and Rocky wore during their matches. The match begins and Conley starts strong in the first round. Goosebumps moment when he opens up those trunks. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's Apollo's outfit. <laughs> the match begins and Conley starts strong in the first round. Donnie shows up in the second round and to the surprise of just about everyone hangs with Conley for the rest of the match. Both trade heavy blows, cause cuts on each other and knock each other to the canvas for Conley the first time in his career. Creed goes the distance with Conley. However, the split decision goes to Conley. Creed wins the respect of Conley in the crowd. As the announcer says, Conley wins the fight. Creed wins the night. That moment. I thought was a really nice symmetry for the original Rocky. Yeah, it's, it's the basically same. the exact yeah, same same thing. Result only Creed Jr. is having the Rocky role in being the the huge underdog who loses in a split decision but gains his sense of belonging in the sport. Well, yeah, it gets you a name to yeah. to build on. I watched the original Rocky fight. And the, the, this fight is so much better. Yeah. And like all the fights and the cinematography and, you know, yeah. where the camera's at and zooming in on this and zooming out on the that. The punches are like mm-hmm. feet short of people's faces yeah. in the original Rockies compared to this. And I thought that was great. And one of the things I watched, I noticed this time was, I don't know how many of them were used, probably all of them, but every shot in that fight has a cameraman visible in it almost like, Cause there's somebody on each corner basically with a camera mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't remember they're seeing camera guys standing on the corner of the ring. Whenever I watch boxing, like there's somebody somewhere in the corner, like zooming in and whatnot. But those guys were like right there on the corner standing like, yeah, you know, they could, they could in theory get punched if somebody <laughs> dodged in the corner. So I thought that was in, the, I thought that was weird that they, and they were, the cameras were right there at the end too when they, you know, announced the split decision. But I think that worked because, you know, if it was televised. Very, just very dramatic. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, you see that all the time where they're yeah. right, right there. Right in the mix. Yeah. They were big ass cameras though. Yeah. They were like IMAX looking cameras. <laughs> yeah. I was like, God dang. One thing that kind of struck me as a little bit odd about that last fight was the differences in the body types between Creed and Conlon. Mm. Like they're both supposedly they're both supposedly fighting as light heavyweight, which is 168 to 178 pounds. And I know Conlon's significantly taller, longer, but like 
Creed looks like he's got a lot of muscle weight on him to where it's kind of hard to believe. And then if you watch the second movie, he ends up fighting, uh, whatever, Drago's son, and they're both fighting at heavyweight, which is anything over 200 pounds. And I don't think he looks like he's 25 pounds heavier. So I think he does. 25 pounds heavier? I don't it, I, I think he looks bigger, but I'm saying is I think he's over 175 in, in Creed. May, I, maybe. I, he's huge in well, Creed 2. And Drago's huge. In, huge. Creed, in Creed 3. Like he is. Yeah. Like it's night and day. Because I was, I was, he is so big in Creed 2 that I was confused as to what was happening. Because I'm like, what the hell? Like, yeah. Because normally people don't go, you know what? I'm going to go from 165 to 200 pounds and fight there. Like, what? Right. Like, that's not what happens. If you can fight lower, you fight lower. But, I mean, there are times where people already have one title and they want to try to get the one above them. Yeah. But he's jumping. There's, like, three classes yeah. in between there. I, yeah. I, yeah. Like, are we supposed to believe he already got those three in between also? I, so, yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't think. Uh, it was. I think that was solely for because they wanted a big well and they yeah they wanted drago and that dude is huge yeah like 225 minimum he didn't i mean i haven't seen the other two but he didn't strike me as like 175 didn't seem unbelievable ricky conlon is a lot softer versus he's like yeah chest and abs you know that's all i meant and i guess i mean you have definition when you have like what is it? Probably four to six inches of height difference. Maybe that's enough, but I just, it was a little bit it's, odd to me. It's very similar when you look at Tyson Fury, where he's a really tall dude, mm-hmm. but he, he doesn't look like he's near as muscular jacked yeah. and muscular. But I mean, obviously he is. But as with many sports, there's a difference between what's like Hollywood and what looks good, you know, versus what necessarily maybe an athletic build is for a a particular sport. And I don't think that in terms of like, as a boxer, Ricky Conlon looked like a good boxer. I don't mean to negate that because he wasn't a hard body (laughs) bodybuilder looking guy. Fair enough. Back in Philly, Donnie and Rocky are trekking up the 72 steps at the Philadelphia museum of art. Rocky's still fighting his battle, but seems to be doing well End credits. Creed will return in Creed 2 and Creed 3. And, and Creed, Creed 4 three and 5. Creed 4 and 5. Uh, uh, hey, Jeff, you know, Joe Adams was in the film of Carmen Jones. Who was the director again? <laughs> All right. The director is none other than Ryan Coogler. Ryan was born way back in 1986, making him really old. <laughs> wow. At 36. His birthday is May 23rd, close to... close. Younger to than all the captains. Has that yeah, ever happened before? No, probably not. What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> he was born in Oakland, California. His mother was a community organizer. Ooh, look at those people. You know how they, what happens, what they do. Obama. <laughs> and his father, this has got to be one of the worst jobs ever and ties into the movie. His father was a juvenile hall probation counselor, which I don't even understand what that really is. I do. <laughs> That's just like one of the homes that that guy was in. Yeah. It's a counselor who works at the juvenile hall. It's not a fun job, but they all have them. Many of them. So his uncle, Clarence Thomas was a longshoreman in (laughs) Oakland. 
different hey, Clarence stop. Thomas. Okay. I was like, okay. I was looking at the, That's way back I was in reading his career. the Wikipedia and I was like, Clarence Thomas. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, oh no, different Clarence That's Thomas. That's before Anita Hill. Basically, he his his uncle was <laughs> like the treasurer of the union, basically. So Ryan got a scholarship playing wide receiver at St. Mary's College. And there he took a creative writing class and the professor basically said, you're really good at this. You should take a screenwriting class. So St. Mary's ended up shutting down their football program and Ryan ended up getting a scholarship at Sacramento state. And then after he graduated, he got into USC school of cinematic arts for his master's. He apparently is a friend with, or was friends with Marshawn Lynch during, during Mm. his days because they played football with each other or against each other. So Ryan's first feature film was Fruitvale Station, which won several awards at Sundance. And it was about the guy who got killed by the BART station cop. And the movie featured Michael B. Jordan. In fact, every movie Ryan has directed has had Michael B. Jordan in it. So the movies after Fruitvale Station were Creed, Black Panther, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And he also wrote all of those movies as well as Creed 2, and he has a writing credit on Creed 3. One could say Michael B. starring in all Coogler's movies. Yes. So what say you guys? Are you an Oogler of Coogler? Absolutely. That record is insane, considering you have his first movie being critically acclaimed and every movie since. I know there's only three more since, but all have had at least one Oscar nomination. That statistically is amazing. It's impressive. He, I hope I hope he keeps it up. And he also has produced several mm-hmm. high-profile movies, such as Creed Two. <laughs> I don't know which one is it. Judah. Judah. Uh, oh, Judah and the Black Messiah. Yes, yeah, he was absolutely. Yeah. Also, multiple Oscar nominees. Yeah, he ha- he has several producing credits similar. And you said he's only thirty-six. In a row, almost 37 in a row. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the most promising directors right now. All right, so he did, he was producer for Judas and the Black Messiah, but also Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, <laughs> who, which Michael B. Jordan is in. Is he? Oh, he has that. Oh, have you not seen it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he has Michael the great Jordan. thing where yeah, they yeah, introduce yeah, Michael Jordan and he comes out. And they're like, not Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I was sitting there one day and I was like, why the heck is he just, why is he doing Michael B. Jordan? I don't like, I was like, oh, <laughs> Michael Jordan has been taken forever. I didn't, it, it didn't dawn on me until I just, I, I had to think about it. Like, yeah. I might not be as big a fan as of Wakanda forever. At least I've only seen it once, but his star is rising and, I would love to see more work from him. And he has that distinction of being somebody who's a writer-director. And that takes significantly more work to develop and put out movies. And, I mean, he's had to be more deliberate because of his time with that. But yeah, I love it. We've talked about that writer-director thing, and it does make a lot of sense that as a director, you're better to portray what you wrote. Because right. you know what you thought about it. You don't have to 
interpret somebody else's right. words because they're But yours. you also, I mean, you're you're deciding, okay, well, this is going to take me more time if I want to follow in the, you know, Tarantino, Ryan Johnson, you know, guys like that. You're not able to do a film or a film a year with that kind of pacing. It's true. I mean, I think too, if you're already taking on that role, you're also kind of an EP, you know, so you've got to have a, you're a product manager of a film. Correct. <laughs> to put it in tech terms. And you have a lot more ownership of the business side of it too. And I think a lot of people probably fail at that approach because they're overly artistic or overly entrepreneurial. And yeah, you got to right. balance they, a lot of interests to get something done. You know, for your first film, you do that and then you decide, okay, I'm going to go I'm going to be a writer full-time or I'm going to be a director full-time, but we're seeing more and more of the people who want to be a filmmaker, an auteur, you know, and, and do this whole, whole package. And there are a few of them who seem to time after time, turn out quality product doing it. So more power to them. Yeah. It's badass. And to be 36 years old and to be a black filmmaker too. I mean, that's, that's additional. Oh, he's black. (laughs) I've heard. No, yeah, Clarence Thomas is. He's a, he that. is impressive for yeah. sure, and I can't wait because I mean, if your worst movie really is Wakanda Forever, like that's a pretty yeah pretty crazy bar that you've already set for yourself. Yeah, it only made eight hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> oops, yeah, yeah, exactly. And even with that, I mean, you're looking at a situation where. Kevin Feige, Disney, MCU, you know, they have much more input on, on, even if you are an auteur versus if he's able to get back to being able to do his own thing, you know, maybe getting a deal like uh, Ryan Johnson, who I just mentioned with Netflix or something like that. I would love to see what he could do with a, I can imagine, you know, give him, give him a hundred million dollars and no restrictions. I would love to see what he turns out. I'm, I'll put money on him getting, I'll put me on <laughs> him getting an Apple TV deal. Yeah. I'm in. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> you just the, like Ryan Coogler signs deal with Apple gets a hundred million dollars for next film. I'm interested. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that is a, sounds like a good movie. It's going to happen. <laughs> We're going to overtime. We'll be right back with Breaking news, an exclusive interview, and some of the best Captain content you've ever heard. Stay tuned. And we're back! And better than ever. All right. Now that we've oogled the Google, oogled the Google, let's... Production that designed with Movie Matt. To kick off production design, I mean, we got to talk about the you know city where the film was uh you know based, home of the three-time losing Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, too soon. Wow. Oh. Too soon. It wasn't. You can't call holding on a play like that at the end of the game. <sighs> okay. Well, did you guys also know that Philadelphia is a city of firsts? Brotherly love. I knew about that. I didn't know about well, the first. It's got that too. Uh, it's the mural capital of the world. Oh, as the oldest inhabited road in America. So okay. it's not really a mural. A sidewalk. Not really a mural. But did you notice the the train rail that said Eagles on it? 
that they threw in. Yeah, there. I, I did see that. Yes, I did yeah. see I was that. Like, oh, Eagles, like, oh, they're sad. They are. They are. And they should be because if you actually do a deep dive into their uh, sports leagues, uh, the Flyers haven't won anything since 75. Yeah, the players um, suck. I hate the players. Yeah, yeah. They even have a worse drought than the 76ers, who haven't won anything since 83. Do you not know that they lost three championships in three months? Oh. The Phillies, their MLS team, and the Eagles all lost within three months of their championship games. They of this, they all so lost. in the last three months. Since. Yeah, they've lost three championships, although two of them were like within a day of each other. But Wow. That's their MLS and MLB losses were for the day, but yeah, they've they've they were in they were in three different championship games for three different sports and lost all of them. That's depressing. Do you know what they do in Philadelphia to cheer themselves up? Throw batteries at people. Well, there's that. <laughs> Throw batteries at Santa Claus. I mean, there is that. I was gonna say they eat pretzels, which oh. is one of this uh, city's uh, favorite foods. Mm. I'm going to have to take my youngest son to Philly because pretzels are like his favorite food right now. So, <laughs> Gotta love a good He'd pretzel. Love it. And he loves throwing batteries too. So. <laughs> Make sure my battery daddy's in the closet uh, this weekend. But let, let, let's... Uh, Is that a sex toy? <laughs> not that one. A battery daddy. I don't know. That sounds like a sex toy. It's a, it's the a bigger, blacker battery holds, daddy. Uh, well, I know that the vibrators <laughs> hold batteries that are contained. What, what did he say? Ah, <laughs> oh, we're going off the rails. Uh, so I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back to John Adams, who once wrote to his wife, "I drink no cider, but feast on Philadelphia beer." And he was being literal because. Back then, beer was actually considered a food, and the first business registered in Philadelphia was a brewery. It was literally the first business of Philly. Wow. Gotta love Philly. Yeah. I mean, much respect for that. Like, they started with the the basics, you know? Mm-hmm. This podcast is it's brewed only, it's out of beer. It's the only thing we eat during this podcast. So. <laughs> it's true. There you go. We, it's no wonder that Philadelphia has such a flourishing craft beer scene today. Yep. So they also made this movie. They partially filmed it there, though filming actually started back in January 19th of 2015 in Goodson Park, Everton. Oh, they filmed uh, it, the stuff over in England first. Yep, they filmed that first, actually. There was a, a, a lot of the movie was filmed over there. The Everton thing, like Stallone was there and he asked the crowd if they wanted to be in the movie. And so during halftime, he like, they did crowd shots and stuff and used it for the for the film. That's cool. I was just glad that they didn't use the two touristy Philly cheesesteak places of Pat's and Gino's, and they actually used Max's. Uh, whenever I was there, the locals said to avoid Pat and Gino's and instead go to either Jim's or or Max's. So they did so. not make the Doctor Oz mistake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I did have one thing on production design. What do you got? I looked it up and Rocky is still driving around in the 1998 Dodge Ram van that he was driving in Rocky Balboa, which is the sixth film. So I thought that was a nice synergy. That is. That's that's nice. a good throwback. 11 years later, still driving the same. You know what? There were also some throwbacks uh, in this film. 
musically. And for that, we're going to go to Maddie G with the sound of music. Okay, the score was done by Swede Ludwig Gornson. He's a composer for film and TV, multi-instrumentalist, producer, and songwriter. Ludwig graduated from Stockholm College of Music, then moved to L.A. to attend the Scoring for Motion Picture and Television program at USC. It was at USC where Ludwig met Ryan Coogler. After graduating from USC, he got work assisting film composer Theodore Shapiro on the films Marley and Me, Year One, and Jennifer's Body. He then caught his first break in 2009 when he was hired to do the music for the TV show Community. It was on Community where Ludwig met Donald Glover and started collaborating with him on his musical project Childish Gambino. Since then, his career has skyrocketed. He hooked back up with Kugler for his directorial debut, Fruitvale Station. Since then, he's gone on to score films such as Creed, Black Panther, which earned him an Academy Award for Best Original Score, Venom, Creed II, and Christopher Nolan's Tenant. You heard his work most recently on last year's Turning Red, which was his first animated feature, and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We'll get to hear his work later this year on Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Some TV shows he's worked on besides Community are Happy Endings, New Girl, Atlanta, The Mandalorian, which earned him two Emmys, and The Book of Boba Fett. He continues to work with musical artists as well, including Haim, Vince Staples, Vampire Weekend, Alicia Keys, and Adele. He's also continued working with Donald Glover, slash Childish Gambino, whatever you want to call him, and won two Grammys for Record of the Year and Song of the Year for This Is America. That's right. Merely a dozen years into his career, and he's three-fourths of the way to an EGOT. So is he just missing the Tony? Yep, just missing the Tony. Maybe they'll do a Black Panther uh, musical. He also was in Creed. He was the guitarist slash keyboardist in Bianca's band, so you can see him in two different scenes. Soundtrack I'm not going to talk too much about, since I talked a lot about Ludwig, but I'm a big fan of his, so I wanted to spotlight him. But it's a pretty good soundtrack. Got tracks from Nas, The Roots, featuring John Legend, Future, Tupac, Donald Glover, and Vince Staples. Uh, the three songs from Bianca were also included, which were co-written by Tessa Thompson and with Ludwig. Probably one of my favorite music moments in the film, which was already mentioned earlier by uh, Johnny D, was when Creed is running through the streets with the motorcycles and ATVs all around him. I like it because it uses both the soundtrack and the score when the Meek Mills song fades out and the score takes over at the end when he's, uh, you know, shadow boxing. I do have to say that that really was hard to pull off in that it would have been really, it could have been really, really cheesy. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that is such a weird thing that occurred at that point. And so that was impressive from a director standpoint and the music standpoint. And then now that you mentioned Book of Boba Fett, I hear 
the book of Boba Fett in this soundtrack. Being able to modernize some of the most iconic soundtracks from the Rocky series over the years and bringing like bringing in those themes into modern music that stands on its own, but then you hear those themes being played back at those key moments and then bringing in those other artists to rap over or, you know, sing over different elements. I just thought it was excellent. And I'm really surprised too. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be, but Tessa Thompson's ability as a singer to perform and write with him on all those tracks it's just, it's kind of mind blowing that they found somebody who was able to bring all those things together. And I think the music is one of the strong points of the movie. And when you think about how important musical montage is to the Rocky series, yeah, bringing yeah. that forward, it's just like essential. It wouldn't work without it. Definitely underappreciated. I'm sure the fact that it wasn't nominated for an Oscar is a mistake. Mistake, yeah. Yeah. I think that his work in The Mandalorian is some of the best like musical intros for a TV series. Yeah. I, in years. I so. would say that he is the new or the second coming of Bear McCrary. Yeah, the two that he won Emmys for were the season finales for the first two seasons. As for the sound department. Creed wasn't nominated for any sound awards. However, a few years later, three of them would be nominated for their work with Ryan Coogler on Black Panther. So there's that. Unfortunately, they lost to Bohemian Rhapsody on both of those categories. She mistakes were made. Yeah. (laughs) And next to El Dangeroso for cinematography. Guys, in a rare treat today, we viewed the work of a female. French cinematographer, Maurice Alberti. She actually never attended film school and instead got her start in the industry as a still photographer on the set of porn films. Oh, wow. She kept steadily working her way forward until she got her first feature in 1984 on Femme. She has primarily worked on smaller indie films and documentaries over the years, but was nominated for the Independent Spirit Award for we Don't Live Here Anymore, and won it on both Velvet Goldmine and The Wrestler. A few of her films you may be familiar with include Happiness, Get Over It, The Visit, Collateral Beauty, Chappaquiddick, Hillbilly Elegy, and Jerry and Marge Go Large. So I was a really big fan of Happiness. Mm-hmm. It's and- a great movie. It is so divisive. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman. It is a great, like, let's shake this shit up movie. Correct. Where where people either really like it or they fucking hate it. Sounds like a future deep dive. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it's only on DVD. I have a DVD of it somewhere. I yeah, don't know it, that you can get it anywhere anymore. I don't think there's been a blue. Have you seen Happiness? No. I don't know that. I've Not you. Even heard of it? I know you didn't know about it. I was asking the other man. I was asking the other man to watch his movies. Oh wow, wow. big difference. No, nah, it's one of my, it's one of the holes in my uh, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. You got to see them all. If Philip Seymour is in it. You got to watch it. All right, 
Her next film will probably release later this year on Amazon Prime and is a courtroom drama based on true events starring Jamie Foxx, and it's called The Burial, so be looking out for it. Captains, it's time to spill the tea. What did you see in the work of Maurice Alberti? So I mentioned it previously, but I went and watched the fight from the original Rocky and this, because obviously it's, I didn't watch it close enough that I feel like there was probably exact shot for shot things that occurred, but this is so much more exciting. All these fighting scenes are so much better than the original Rocky that it's not even close to compare. And Mm -hmm. that including the fact that you've got surround sound and stuff that goes along with it. The experience from Creed is just crazy comparative to the original movies. And I, I'm sure that later in the series that they had more money and things like that. But when you, when you look at the original and kind of what this is kind of modeled after from the fight standpoint, where you've got the guy that gets his ass beat a lot and that's his superpower is that he can get his ass beat and not fall over. It's a, it's pretty impressive. It's like peak steady cam. <laughs> like, which I, I love it because we kind of gone through this like post steady cam stage where it's not used a lot and there's a lot more static shots. Where can that shot shine? A fight scene. Mm-hmm. It is done beautifully and masterfully. And from a technical point of view, I think that's like one of the highlights of the film. It's Eight. so dynamic. It goes yeah. in, it goes out and just, it's seamless. Yeah. Through the whole thing. It's impressive. Again, how is this not an Oscar nominated for cinematography? Right. So tying into I, what you guys are saying, Courtney Dangerous never watched the Rocky movies, you know, as a kid and was only introduced to them as an adult and doesn't really appreciate them because it's different looking back at them. And she wasn't necessarily watching the whole movie with me, but kind of was in and out of the room. And she was like, this looks a lot different. Like she found it provocative how it was filmed. I think that's interesting that dangerous Courtney, dangerous Dangerous comma Courtney, dangerous comma. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. I felt that about the film. What, what was the word you used? She couldn't get into the old ones, but when she was walking through the room, she was like, not necessarily loving a boxing movie, but she was like, oh, this looks like interesting or dynamic or visually appealing versus the old movies. I think that is a big credit to the cinematography. Correct. This is an eight-year-old film. Yes. And, you know, really thought of nine, ten years ago production-wise, and it had staying power. I mean, it doesn't look like that old of a film. So I did want to talk about my favorite visual and you guys have already kind of hinted at it. And it's, it's one of those things where I think it's great because it doesn't stick out. Um, I'm guessing maybe Maddie G noticed that, but the actual, the second fight between Donnie and Sperino, that is unlike almost anything I've ever witnessed in a fight scene. For over four minutes and parts of two different rounds with breaks and the closing, 
it's a single shot Mm -hmm. and it moves in and out on the different fighters, the hits, refs moving in, managers, uh, coaches, you know, toweling guys down all in a solo shot. And it must have been amazingly choreographed because you got to think about where that cameraman was at all moments, you know, being just so easily hit that it was just, it's amazing. And it goes all the way through the TKO and, you know, congratulating at the end. It's over four and a half minutes long. Go back, watch that fight over and over again. It is a master class in cinematography and that cameraman deserves a raise, whoever it was. Yes. (laughs) Camera yeah, person. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was mine as well. And I looked at the trivia on IMDb and apparently they did 13 t- takes of that. And the 11th take was the one used in the movie. Wow. It has to be perfect for so many movements. Like anybody steps wrong and it doesn't work. One of the things that I enjoyed a lot was anytime somebody got knocked out, and Michael B. Jordan, when he goes out, like he just goes limp and falls yes. over and just, but he's also rigid at the same time. So it looks like he really got knocked out. And I just think that is a great scene. And then you throw in like the, he's, I mean, obviously he's not really remembering everything, but you know, he's like, here's my life. Here's my life story. And, and then he just gets up like, yep. huh, what? Okay, let's fight some more. And you know, he's, you can also tell that he's not there, but yeah. he's enough that he's like, yep, let's fight, let's fight, let's fight. I want to call attention to a different scene. I, I'm not going to call it my favorite. I think the scenes that, uh, where you see Donnie working with Rocky dealing with cancer mm-hmm. are poignant. Uh, there's a shot coming up the hallway. Yep. He's carrying him to the to the restroom. From a directorial point of view, I would have held that shot a little longer. I would have made the viewer feel that pain a little longer. And I don't know why why he didn't do that. But um, the, what we did see, just those real short clips, I hate that they glossed over it. I really think there was drama that could have been built there. But the clips that were there, I thought were done really well. And I wonder what she shot and put together that didn't make the final film. Whenever you have those montages, you talk about them, you know, filming for three, four, five days. And everyone is, like you said, like a three second clip of this and that there is an excellent joke in there. If you're familiar with the old Rocky movies, that was one of the things his trainers made him do was catch a chicken. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan catches it and it doesn't take him too long. And he says something like chickens must've gotten slower. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's, yeah. A, that's a great throwaway yeah, line, chicken, but chicken, chicken, uh, uh, yeah, there but goes like, my quote. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. John, you gotta go. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Zach, honey. Um, you a little bit sick for hunting. Oh no, I'm great. Honey, I'm great. Oh, I'm going. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us to Captain's Choice, where we each select a film that if you liked Creed, this is what you should be watching next, and I am up first. My choice deals with the similarity between generations of fighters and strained relationships with fathers. Warrior from 2011, 
stars Joel Edgerton, Tom Hardy, Jennifer Morrison, Frank Grillo, and Nick Nolte. Directed by Gavin O'Connor, it, crazily enough, failed to make back its original $25 million budget. But I think over the years, it's become a cult classic. If you like fight films of any sort, if you haven't seen Warrior, go out and watch it. Any of you guys seen it? I know some of you have seen it with me, so I was what did gonna, you think? I was going to pick this movie until I saw 2011. I knew exactly what we were going to do. This was the Creed or Rocky of MMA for sure. Absolutely. And it is amazing. If It is crazy how good it is. It's un- underrated. And I, when you said it didn't make its money back, it blows my mind because yeah. it is amazing. Well, it's it flew amazing. under the radar and that was kind of even before I think MMA really surged. But even if you don't, love fight films if you make it through that movie you watch the final fight and that song plays my god just just thinking about it gives me goosebumps like it is one of the greatest last five minutes of a movie of all time what's this i don't remember the song it's a it's a national it's a song by the national do you remember the title of that maddie g start a war oh sorry Start a war by the national and it's not actually on any of their albums. It's only on the soundtrack for this. And it is such a perfect choice. And it sums up this moment between these two brothers and their father. It's one of those movies that you you watch with the bros, but you're all choked up at the end, you know, just because I have it open. The last two songs uh, are by the national about today and start a war. All right. I think uh, up next we got Money Chris. So I wanted to do Warrior, but I figured that was already taken. So I wanted to go with 2010, The Fighter with Marky Mark and Batman. Absolutely. That is, you know, it's boxing, Oscar nominated. I think from a Creed standpoint that you would probably like Warrior better just because I've... It's been a long time since I've seen The Fighter, but I feel like the fight scenes are probably better in Warrior and Creed than they were in The Fighter, but I might be mistaken. Fighters got good. They're definitely good boxing scenes, and it, once again, it really ties into that familial dynamic because it's all about the half-brothers, you know, and that kind of the generational thing between the trainer and the, the fighter. It's another great choice can't go wrong wrong with that movie and that's also has amy adams playing the the boxer's girlfriend but in a positive dynamic different type of role than the character that we've already discussed on snl (laughs) (sighs) motown philly back again all right next up we have movie matt (laughs) that's me so I was struck by Michael B. Jordan's Donnie's desire to fight. And it reminded me of a movie that I saw a long time ago, Million Dollar Baby, where you see Hilary Swank's character and her desire to fight. Things don't quite go the same in these two films, but those were the similarities that kind of brought them together. The 2004 Best Picture film uh, is the sports drama directed and co-produced and also scored by... Clint Eastwood. 
basically Hillary Smike's character. She's a waitress with a desire to make something of her life in hard times, begins to fight. Things don't go well. She ends up um, in a fight where she falls and hits her head on a stool. Um, and then the film goes through uh, her life as a paraplegic. Ultimately, and spoiler alert, wanting to end her life with the help of her trainer, played by Clint Eastwood. This film didn't come to mind right at first, and I stumbled across it, quite frankly, by Googling, but it did make a lot of sense to me when I saw it, that that desire to fight and that desire to win, this is kind of like the opposite if it works out for you, because sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) You know, there's a real risk to this. Sometimes uh, your dad was a was a heavyweight fighting champion and you end up a paraplegic. It's one of those movies that I haven't watched since I watched it because it's not really an enjoyable film. Correct. Right. It's 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 good and but I don't need to see it over and over again because that's not happy. Kind of like I have some other movies yeah. about Florida but in Germany. That I don't watch. Right. Everyone should see that movie once. So it's not like Creed in terms of it's like rewatchability or it's fun. Totally. But I do think the connection that it shares is the relationship between the person who wants to make something of themselves and having to like really fight to get the trainer who they want to train them. True. It's exactly the same because Clint Eastwood is the reluctant person. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to train you. And then once you finally win them over, just like Michael B. Jordan wins over Rocky, then they're in your corner through thick and thin, no matter what. It's basically like the first half of these movies are very closely aligned. And then they take that wide divergence. Could go this way and it could go this way. (laughs) Yep. This is one that I know a lot about the movie, but I've never watched all the way through. I'm not the biggest Hillary Swank fan, but I've always wanted to give this a shot since it is it did win Best Picture. So I just haven't got to it yet. So from one mat to another. Yes. Thank you. I was going to pick another boxing movie, but I because there's plenty of good ones out there, but. Instead, I just wanted to go with a movie where the subject doesn't win in the end. So I went with a Disney classic, Cool Runnings. Yes. Wow. Okay. All right. Yes. Sports movie. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure most of us have seen it. So a, a group of Jamaican sprinters who stumble over each other during Olympic trials, they don't get to go. So they try to think of another way to get to the Olympics and they settle on the four-man bobsled. I'm sure everyone has felt the rhythm felt the rhyme so get on up it's bobsled time i don't think i've seen this movie in 30 years yeah i think so either (laughs) but you're right because once again it's not necessarily about winning or losing it's about establish establishing themselves as a contender you know and that's kind of what what happened out of that story in reality and in the movie i remember seeing this film in the movie theater. What kind of forever? All right. So <laughs> that brings us to our conclusions. And as always, we start with the lowest score, which is normally Johnny Dangerous. All right. I did not see Creed in theaters. 
I think this was in part due to the fact that while I was a pretty big fan of the franchise in my youth, I had grown very tired of seeing a far too old Rocky still trying to fight. When I heard the buzz around the film and the eventual Oscar nomination, I gave it a chance and was quite pleased with that initial viewing. For this episode, I watched Chris's digital UHD and was impressed with the visual and audio components. While I can't say this is groundbreaking in terms of being a somewhat predictable formula for fighting sports movies, it succeeds at providing both fan service and is an impressive task to breathe life back into what seemed to be a long-dead franchise. Creed earns three and one-quarter one-handed push-ups. All right. Movie Matt, what'd you think? I enjoyed this film. The cinematography overperforms the film itself. That said, there's some great acting. I kind of related to Sil- to uh, Sylvester Stallone's character as a old man who's kind of like, nah, I don't know if I want to do this. Got to support this kid. He's a good guy. You know, kind of a grumpy old man point of view. I I respect that a lot. Uh, more and more every day, actually. That said, overall, it was a good film. I appreciate Tessa Thompson's character. Bianca was more complex than than you would see in a lot of these films. Although there was still room for additional, we'll say character development there all in all, just solid film, great soundtrack along with it. It overperformed for like what you'd read the description to be. I'm going to give it 3.5 captains all right maddie g what'd you think well before i get into that i'm gonna do a real quick bonus inquisition you guys ready yes Yes. bring it on okay in the scene where uh rocky donnie and bianca had dinner over at rocky's house and afterwards they're sitting on the couch watching that movie do you know what movie they're watching yes previous deep dive skyfall yep wow very nice Wow, Danger Dangerous is really proud of, proud of himself too. It should it. be. That's a good one. That's a yeah, good one. That's a good one. That's the first time I saw that scene, I I had to go back and watch it because I was like, "Are they are they watching Daylight?" Which I thought would have been hilarious. Oh, uh, another Stallone movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. the scene where the train crashes through the tunnel. I did not see this movie in theaters, but I was surprisingly interested in it. I would consider myself a fan but not a huge fan of the rocky franchise uh i do remember watching rocky four in school in like the fourth grade for some weird reason we watched that movie and um because america and i remember it because we it was was it i think it was pg-13 so we had to get like permission slips signed for it i remember renting rocky five from the local you know video rental place mistakes were made yep I mean, CRT uh, rules, they probably couldn't even show it now. <laughs> when I heard what they were going to do with, with bringing it back, I was definitely up for it. I had seen Michael B. Jordan in Friday Night Lights and in Parenthood, and I liked him. Like Dangerous mentioned, the film was done really well, and it breathed new life into a tired franchise. I definitely liked the music, obviously. Uh, big fan of Ludwig. Uh, followed him since he's been working with Donald Glover on stuff, and so and he's got a, a unusual name since he's Swedish. 
best Ludwig since Beethoven. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when I saw he was attached to it too, I was like, okay, great. That's awesome. I just think it's a solid film, good story, and uh made me excited for Creed two and of course with the new one with Jonathan Majors, Creed Three. I'm I'm excited to see that. So but for the first one, I give Creed four training sessions sent to the cloud. Bam. All right. So I do not remember where I saw Creed. I feel like I probably went to the theater. Watching it again, I think I'd like it more. Hmm. Going several years past the fact that it was able to capture on the Rocky theme, which I which I enjoy the Rocky movies, but I think this has transcended it from a story standpoint to a certain extent. Definitely from a cinema, cinematography and audio, you know, sound. I feel like Creed has provided a brand new IP, basically, that is now separate from Rocky. I think that they can continue the Creed franchise probably a couple more movies, which is crazy and impressive Mm -hmm. to be able to just kind of, I mean, it's basically, it's not even a sequel. It's a spinoff at this point. And I don't think we've had any movies that are really spinoffs that are kind of their own thing. Well, do you consider the Star Trek to be like the next generation movies? Would you call those spinoffs? Of the original, probably not, because they have their own series. So they're like they're kind of they're kind of like their own thing. Okay, it's the best. I was about to say it's one of the best transitions from one universe to the next. But is it? Does you know, does that make sense? It's hard to say because like, so you could like you could talk about the Star Wars, right? You know, but then if if you're talking about through time, because you really have to. There is a huge step down after Rocky four, five and six, and then coming here, sure. it's like I don't know if a movie, a a franchise has taken such a big dip and then come back from that said dip. But you know, I know that there's a lot of like time based Rocky and the story, and it's great, but they kind of took that and then made it better on mm-hmm. all the technology technological fronts and cinematography and music and everything that's come along and they've kind of matched it to a certain extent. So this is kind of like new Rocky for the most part. And hopefully that's what they were going for. Cause if they weren't, then they failed. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. I'm going to give it 4.5 captains. Wow. Wow. Okay. For a fighting, just, I'm going to say that it is for a fighting movie just in general and the, the genre mm-hmm. that I would probably give it a four, but because it is for the genre, it's a 4.5. Okay. Wow. That makes okay. sense. And yeah, pretty close to a five. Literally nobody was asking for this movie. Yeah. But it's here and it's like, Whoa, this is pretty good. And now there's two more of them. Yeah. And yeah. the fact you have Jonathan majors in one is just, yeah, there's that. What the heck? For me, 
if I were going to give that high of a mark to a fighting movie, I'm going to go back to like Warrior as my. Yeah. Warrior is Creed Zero. And I, Creed is Creed I need One. To watch this Warrior movie. It is. You've watched it at my house with <laughs> you, me. You have seen it. Wait, what? I have? Yeah. <laughs> Nick Nolte. <laughs> the brothers. One's a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you and Joey and Pat, I think, yeah, came it's... over and watched it at my house. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you have. I know because we've mentioned it multiple times. And I wasn't, That's amazing. Yeah, I was not even now there. I have to keep that in. I wasn't even there, and I know you watched it. That sounds good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm going to watch that movie someday. Yeah, I'll queue it up. You want to give us our average? Total average, 3.8 captains. Congratulations. You are first rate. A lot of love went into him. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we've had 3.8 twice already this season on once upon a time in Hollywood and knives out. And then last season on Ronan being John Malkovich and pan's labyrinth. Perimeter looks normal. Did I get a status report? Crow's nest in position. Port side is quiet. Copy that. National treasure. (laughs) (laughs) You dig deep, man. Okay, coming up on the next deep dive, me, myself, and I, De La Soul, Rip Trucoy, Maddie G will get to use the next golden ticket, and I'm going to select the 2017 Dramedy Band-Aid. This film is written, directed, Produced and stars Zoe Lister-Jones, along with Adam Pally and Fred Armisen. At time of recording, this film is streaming on AMC Plus and Canopy, and is also available for rent or purchase on any of the major digital platforms. Join us as we each find various musical instruments in our respective garages and start a band. Our band name, I think, should be Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Featuring Money Chris on Bass Jug, Movie Matt on Triangle and Carabiner, El Dangeroso on the Washboard, and yours truly on the One String Guitar. All this and more on the next Deep Dive. That's awesome. All right. As always, we end the episode with one of our favorite quotes from the film. That's your uncle? He's white. <laughs> Hold on. Damn it, I had one. And then I... Don't you take mine, I'll kill you. Hold on. A great fighter once said, it ain't hard. <laughs> A great fighter once said, it ain't hard, but it's not my fault. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, I hope we just play this, the, the exit Is of this Is that your quote? Uncut. Are you good? No. I like it. It ain't hard, but it ain't my fault. <laughs> Oh, uh, too much alcohol. <laughs> Crack open another one for me, man. I'm a ready. great fighter once said, it ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. Keep moving forward. I can tell by the way you talk. You've been to school. So I figure you got some brains. Why would you pick a podcaster's life when you don't have to? <laughs> It's already in the cloud. <laughs> What's cloud? <laughs>
<laughs> what gloved? That concludes another deep dive from Too Many Captains. You can find us on a moviepodcast.com as well as Instagram and Twitter. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe, write a review, or post a link to your favorite episode on social media. Give us some feedback. It really does help. We will be back with another mini next week. And thanks for listening.